right, so I want to introduce you a little as we're playing, introduce myself a little bit. I, I feel like it's good to get to know one another, and um, my word for the year, and I'm not always uh, the kind of person who has this, but I do appreciate it. My word for the year is personal. Personal. We can get so busy, right? All of us. We can get so busy in ministry, and kids' ministry, and even though I love to be personal, sometimes we can get busy and forget. And that's my word. So I want to be personal with you. And so I'm going to just take a couple minutes to introduce who I am and where I come from. I am a, a product of Kennett, Missouri. I grew up in a town. Yeah, come on, somebody. If you even know where that's at, I'm surprised. Um, I grew up in a church of about 40 people. And uh, the Lord called me when I was seven years old at a kid's crusade. Amen. Yeah, when I was seven years old, the Lord called me. And um, it took a little while for all that to come together, although I did uh, lay ministry uh, as a kid. I can remember my first my first ministry, uh, Patty, we were talking about. We almost make up 100 years between us. That's bad. But anyway, um, I can remember my first thing that I did in kids' church with my pastor's wife. There's like six kids there, right? Seven. And I did a little zebra puppet, a little hand puppet. Her name was Felicia. So I was Felicia. And uh, that was kind of where it all eventually got started. I, I've served in three churches in my career. I spent three and a half years in Jackson, Missouri. I was a youth and kids there. And then I moved to Arkansas, uh, Cabot, Arkansas, and I was there for eight and a half years. Uh, the first four, I did kids ministry, and the second four and a half, I did both youth and kids because my thing is building teams. And anyway, and then I moved to Michigan for 10 and a half years and did kids ministry there before moving into the national office. I love student ministry. Anybody else love students? I don't even care how old they are. I love them. And, and if you're a student today, I love you. Amen. But you know what I'm saying? I love young people. I love to do ministry. I can't imagine ever doing anything else. And just so you know, um, every Sunday that I'm not somewhere speaking, I am teaching kids at my local church because I can't not do it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I can't not do it. I, I have, I, you know, I, I've never been a drug addict, but I imagine what it must be like, because I was jonesing when I first moved to Springfield. Like, I got no kids to teach. I got to teach some kids. Took a little while, you know, you got to earn that spot. But um, I, I want to just start with telling you a little story. You know, kids ministry especially can be, uh, well, it can, it can have its unique challenges, just like youth ministry does. Uh, but Kids ministry challenges, well, let me just talk about one. I, I remember when I was in Arkansas, again, I was there eight and a half years, and one of my first years, it might be my second year there, I was, we were at kids camp. Come on, somebody, kids camp. No place better on earth than kids camp. I was at kids camp, and, well, uh, Arkansas camp has this huge H building, you know, this huge dorm, it hold like 400 girls, 400 boys, but we were at capacity, and my boys, we got the wonderful pleasure of staying in the gym. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, so we got to stay in the gym, which wasn't all bad. It was mostly bad, but it wasn't all bad because we got one of these rooms that used to be probably a storage piece, you know, and it had eight, or no, excuse me, yeah, it had eight beds, four bunks, one, two, three, four, <clears throat> anyway. So it's just me and my boys in this one room. So that was kind of cool, you know, because I could crack the whip on my own boys and kick them in the hiney if they need it, you know. So that was good. So one night, I don't remember which night it was, but it was into camp because I was pretty tired. You guys know how that works. I remember middle of the night, I'm sleeping so good. 
And all of a sudden, I feel something drip on my forehead. Somebody's ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. I felt something drip on my forehead. And I thought, what in the world? I must be dreaming. Drip on my forehead a second time. I raise up. Like, what in the world? Yeah, you guys guessed it. The kid on the top bunk, who was probably 10 or 11, had peed in the bed. And it's dripping on my forehead about 3 o'clock in the morning. Come on, somebody. These are only things that happen in kids' ministry. Am I right? So how do you indiscreetly in a storage room with eight beds get a 10-year-old boy up, out, and his bed sheets change and your things change? It doesn't happen, does it? It's just impossible. So everybody's up. But I tell you, I've never been so proud of a set of boys in my entire life because when we got all settled back in, it was still dark and we had the light off. And I said, boys, I need to talk to you. And it got quiet just like it is right now. And I said, you know, put yourself in Jack's place. Would you want anybody to ever say anything about this to anyone else? No. I'm telling you, those boys, they never told anyone. They never even told their parents. That was a victory, right? That was a victory. But, you know, kids' ministry is different, right? You know, youth ministry, I've dealt with some things that were equally challenging, but no, no, no teenager ever peed on me, so that was good. All right. <laughs> so all that to say, you know, ministry is great, but sometimes, I mean, how many of you guys, okay, let's just get down and dirty. How many of you guys ever were thrown, thrown up on, I guess is the proper way to say it. How many of you ever been thrown up on? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is not something that normally happens with youth pastors unless they're at the bar with the kids. Or outside it, you know. I mean, I got thrown up on, like, all over. Like, you know, I, it's like you see them coming then. You're like, no, 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 just go. Just go. <laughs> Don't ask. Just go. It happens. Well, all that was just for fun. So you get to know me because we, we really want to ask for the Lord's presence here today. This first session is really about seeking the Lord. It's about church, right? That's what it's about. That's what this first session is about. I want to tell you what I'm going to do today is about 48 hours old. And so I'm going to stick really close to my notes, which I usually do that anyway. That way I don't chase too many rabbits and you'll be happy. John knows me. He's laughing. Um, anyway, um, it's about 48 hours old. I feel like it's directly for you guys. I would be much more comfortable doing something that I've done before. Just to be honest, right? Um, but I believe this is a message from the Lord for us all. And um, the title of it today is Come Away. Come Away. It's so important. You know, in my daily Bible reading just maybe a month or so ago, I ran across a very familiar portion of Scripture where Jesus feeds the 5,000. It's in Mark chapter 6. It's up there for you. But it says the apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, and check this if this resonates with you, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, you can tell by looking at me. I don't miss very many meals. I don't miss as many as I should probably. But there's a few times in my life I was too busy to eat. And you've all been there. So we get it. So they were too busy to eat. And he said to them, him being Jesus, come with me. And I love the ESV. It says, come away with me. By yourselves 
to a quiet place and get some rest. Let's pray right there. Lord, we come to you this morning. We're so grateful, Father, that we know you. We're so grateful that we serve a God uh, who is omnipotent, he's omniscient, all those things that you are, Lord. We, we thank you that we can know you personally. Lord, we thank you for the calling that you've placed on our lives. God, we're grateful that you could use any tool in the box, but you've chosen us, and we're thankful for it. But God, we pray today that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be attentive. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you speak things to your people that were never mentioned today from the platform? In Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. So come away and get some rest. We know ministry can be grueling. Am I right? It can be. But it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. I mean, we're gluttons for punishment. We sign up for next year camp, right? We sign up. Let's go again. Let's go again. VBS, yes. And then when we're done, we're like, good God, why did I, you know, you know right? It's, it's, but as leaders, we're invested physically, mentally, emotionally, most of all spiritually, right? And it's, we're invested in life-changing ministry. That's what we're invested in. And I want you to know something. It takes, it takes it out of you. Something that people who don't do it will never understand. You know, when you get home on Sunday, how many of you have that involuntary nap every Sunday? See what I'm, I mean, like, you get home and you're just so tired. You're like, oh, I really haven't done seemingly that much physical activity, but I'm beat. It's because you have exerted spiritual energy it's been a spiritual thing and so anyway I think you get it I think you understand where we're coming from so here's what I want to say to you um I lost my place you're undoubtedly aware that the need for ministry never stops even in the Bible they didn't even have time to eat right it never stops. The need never ends. People even, look, if people even ran to them. Let's look here in verse 32. Let me pull it up. And don't, don't mock my slides because I, Patty will tell you, I don't make slides. And I made these in the airport, so they're not that great, but I made them. All right. Um, it says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a what? Solitary place. But check this out. But many, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. How many of you guys ever felt that way in ministries? Like, can I not have a moment? Like, in Michigan at the church, there was no place in the church that you could go and have prayer. Because somebody would interrupt you. It never stops. The work of the ministry is never fully accomplished. I've been on, in a full-time ministry position now 27 years. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? My to-do list has never been empty. Not one day has it ever been empty. Right? It just doesn't end. There's no end to it. So I want to show you this right here, though, because we're talking about coming away. A great quote from somebody that most of you know, from Jeannie Mayo. She said, Jesus died for the church. That means you don't have to. You've got to remember that. It never stops the word says, come away, right? Come away, come away. Say it right there. Say, come away. Come on, I want you to say it again. Come away. Can I tell you something that happened to me years ago? I told you I was in Jackson, Missouri early. So I'm going to be writing notes on here because I'm thinking of things as I go. Um, but years ago when I was in Jackson, I was doing youth and kids ministry. I grew up in a church of 40 people. We didn't even have a youth ministry. Yet here I was the youth pastor. 
so I had all these bus kids. We did bus ministry almost my whole career until I got to Michigan, and it was just it was impossible, even though we tried. Um, it seemed impossible. But I had all these bus kids, you know, and coming in and going, and, and I was just doing everything I knew to do, plus. How many of you guys ever been that? But you're just doing everything you know to do, plus. You're doing stuff you don't know how to do. You're just trying. And I, I'll be honest with you. I'm an energetic guy. I'm a happy guy. I'm also, I'm a very serious guy at times, which people don't usually see that side of me until it's something spiritual, and then I'm like, come on, you know. But anyway, or if you really aggravate me, then we can have a come to Jesus meeting. I do that. But anyway, um, but here's the thing. I went to this conference in Florida. Thank God I got to go. And the youth director of Foursquare Ministries at that time, I can't remember his name. I think it was Josh Johnson or John Johnson. Anyway, it was Johnson, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember what all he spoke about. I remember it was good. I remember that. But he said something that I wish I had on recording because I, I don't know the full effect. But he said, some of you in this room, are trying to do God's job. And he said, you, how foolish are you? You can't do God's job. You will kill yourself trying to do God's job. And I'm going to tell you something. It was at that moment I realized that's exactly what I had been trying to do. I had been trying to do God's job, what only God can do. And it was as, you know, you hear people talk about, I was saved when I was a little kid at home with my mom kneeling at the couch. So I've been, you know, saved my whole life. But you hear people talk about how it felt like a thousand pounds came off their, off their life when they gave their heart to the Lord. That was it for me. When he said that, it was like somebody took, you know, a Greyhound bus off my chest. And I want you to know something. We can care so much, and we should. We can work so hard, and we should, that we end up trying to do what only God can take care of. And you can't do it. And you will kill yourself trying to do it. I want you to remember that always. It rescued my career. Those words rescued me. So I want you to see this. Let's look at this word here. Uh, the disciples had been given power, like power over impure spirits. They had done all these things. They had seen all these things. They had walked with Jesus. They had been all these miracles that we could name one after another. I mean, that's pretty stinking awesome, right? Yet Jesus said something. What did he say to them? They were in need of rest. Sometimes we feel like we go to church and we're in this great atmosphere and that's all we needed. Apparently not. Apparently not. And we all know that kids ministry people, we don't get to go to church that often. But we get in an environment where we're like, we're good. Well, you know, if we're good, I'm sure that the Lord would have not said this. We need time away. We need to come away with the Lord. So let's talk a little bit about rest. Because depending on what generation you are, rest can sound like a, an ugly word. I know a few people in my life who I love dearly that, you know, it, it would pain them to have to even admit that they rest. It's the way, the way they were, excuse me, the way they were brought up. So rest, according to people much smarter than me, this would be the dictionary, said it's composed of sleep, relaxation, reflection, hello, reflection, and recreation, uh, not recreation, <laughs> that too, praise the Lord, recreation, <laughs> recreation. And then I love this next thing that, uh, that um, I, I, scientists, not the psychologists said, it's as important to our health and wholeness as air, water, nutrition, 
and exercise. Rest is equally important as all those things. Proper rest can improve our physical, mental, emotional, social, and get this, spiritual health. It's important that we learn to rest. It's important that we learn to turn our computer off and our to-do list and be like, I've got to have some rest, and I have also have to spend some time with Jesus. So speaking of, if you'll notice in the Word, we're not going to put it up, but the very next two verses down in verse 35 in chapter 6, there's a need to feed 5,000 men and women. And what did these same disciples say? What did they say, you guys? They say, where are we going to find the money? Where will we even purchase this great amount of food? Wait, now, don't miss this. After all they had witnessed, after all they'd been a part of, all they'd seen Jesus do, was this really that big a problem? Was it? Was it really that big a problem to feed 5,000 people in the wilderness? No, it wasn't. You know what my takeaway is? Here's my takeaway from that right there. Things look really big when I haven't been alone with Jesus. They look really big, don't they? I love that picture I found because that's what it seems like sometimes, doesn't it? It's not just a big problem. We're trying to push it uphill. When I haven't made time to rest, I had time to rest my body, my soul, and spirit, but I haven't made time to be away, to go away with Jesus. Things get really, really big. My perspective gets all out of whack. Was it really a big problem for Jesus to feed those 5,000 people? No. It seemed like it to them because you just read it. They were exhausted. Their faith was low, even after all they'd seen. Here's what I want to ask you today. What are you chasing? What are you chasing after? What are you chasing after? I want to give you a great example. So I'm ADD, ADHD, ACDC. I think I'm all of those things. I'm just too old to be diagnosed. <laughs> Actually, my dad is, I think, 77, just turned 77. He was just diagnosed and put on medication. So that's all you need to know. But anyway, um, I forgot what, see, I forgot what I was going to say. I'm going to go back to my nose. Oh, yes, yeah. So I really like, I do better when I walk and pray. As crazy as that sounds, it, you'd think somebody who's ADHD and all those things would be distracted by walking, but I just do better when I'm walking. So... I try to walk and pray somewhat regularly. You can't do it all the time. But I'm out walking and praying in my neighborhood recently. And, man, I'm just really having a a, a great time with the Lord. And I'm distracted by somebody's backpack. Not on my trip, just right now. I told you I have ADD. Come on. I'm going to put it over here. I keep like, whose backpack is that? I thought that three times. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Just proving my point. Anyway, so I'm out walking and praying. And I'm really, you know, I mean, I mean I'm not like, the, the angels aren't singing, but I'm feeling it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm feeling it. I'm like, yes. And I got my, I got my, my headphones on, my earbuds in. I'm just listening to the portion of God. I'm walking. And my, some of my neighbors down around the corner, I make the corner, they're having a rummage sale. You guys are ahead of me. It's like you know me or something. <laughs> They're having a rummage sale. I am totally distracted from this incredible time I'm having with God because there might be some, somebody's cast-off junk over there that I need. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but how many times have you done the exact same thing? 
Someone's cast off, someone's trash, junk they didn't even want was completely distracting me from the meaningful time of, listen, don't miss this, speaking directly to the king of all kings. That's insanity. Rummage sale items were pulling me from this concentrated prayer time. And I was shocked by how easy it was for the lure of someone's trash to arrest me and knock me off course. You know, the Bible says, but those that wait, come on, somebody say wait. We stink at waiting. Do you realize that you've been conditioned to never wait? Do you realize it? You've been conditioned to hate waiting. But the Bible clearly says those that wait, come on, say wait. Those that wait on the Lord, what's going to happen to those people? Come on, what's going to happen to those people? will renew their strength. It's not an if, it's not an and, it's not a but, it's if. It's none of those things, it's shall. Shall renew their strength. That's what will happen to them. So we know the power of prayer, although I'll speak for myself, sometimes my life doesn't show that I believe in the power of prayer because I put it off to last or make the rumor sale more important. But Second Chronicles seven fourteen is where the if comes in. It says, if my people. Goodness gracious, that's a big if, isn't it? If my people, if my people, if who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then what's going to happen? Everything we want to happen, right? I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, heal their land. So how many times, I want to ask you, how many times have you and I been completely distracted from reaching for or obtaining something great in our lives because we were chasing something that didn't matter. How many times? I want that to be less times in my life, amen? I want it to be less times in yours. You know, things that seem urgent, but they just don't really matter. You know, it's coming to my mind, it just happens from friends of mine lost a family member, and all the family came together. They said they hadn't been all together in like 10, 12 years. I said, you know, isn't that a shame? Let's just put ourselves in that box. We're all guilty. Isn't that a shame that somebody has to die before we realize things that are really important and make them happen? I don't want to be there. I just don't want to do that. I'm not saying I don't. I just don't want to, right? I don't want to. Um, I, I think about exercise. You know, how many guys know that we need proper exercise? Raise your hand. How many guys trade that for the comfort of the couch? More times than you should, right? I mean, you know, we, we trade we, our eating habits, our study habits, our, our serving, our good deeds, our, you know, our necessary conversations. Many times we trade them for stuff that really don't matter, urgent things that don't matter. We trade for stuff that doesn't matter that we could obviously live without. So here's what I want to ask you just for a few minutes here. We're going we're gonna to continue, so don't, I'm, not, I'm not wrapping up. just want to not give you any false hope. <laughs> I want to ask you this, and I want you to answer it. Uh, you don't have to answer it out loud. A lot of you are taking notes, but are you living a life that isn't what you want it to be? It isn't really what you want it to be. Are you living that life? Let me ask you another question. Are you tired and discouraged? I'm not saying you don't have reason to be. Illinois has been hit hard, I know. Is your relationship with God the best it's ever been? 
You answer those questions for yourself. I'll give you just a second. I see somebody be riding. Could it be? Could it be that you and I have been distracted? We've been chasing stuff that doesn't really bring the success in our life or our ministry the way we desire. And can I just, can I just like meddle in your business for a minute, just for a short minute? Most of you don't know me. Some of you do. I have a lot of people in this room I respect and love, and, and I'm getting to love and respect the rest of you because I haven't had a chance to meet you. But my pastor in Michigan, 10 and a half years, Joel Stocker, who I think the world of, he was super transparent. He, would, he had this saying, we all live at the same address. We do all deal with the same junk, right? So let me just meddle a little bit. Could a few less minutes on social media translate into a relationship that God could use to be transforming? Could it? And life-giving, it could. What about this? This hits me really hard, even though I wrote it down. I almost didn't. Could even a few less minutes watching sports teams play translate into a stronger marriage or a relationship with your children. Now, what have you been chasing that doesn't bring the desired effect? Now, I want you to know something. I'm a firm believer in mindless distraction. So I don't want you to get that wrong. I'm a firm believer in it. I'm not, I'm not intending to, to throw out all of my so-called time wasters, and I'm not asking you to do that either, because I believe they have value that we talked about earlier in moderation as the thing. What the Bible says, all things in moderation, right? They bring rest and they bring renewal to our mental and physical bodies. But my prayer is that you and I will see with spiritual eyes things that we're chasing that don't satisfy our desires. That's what I'm praying. That the Holy Spirit will help us to trade some of the the excess junk in our lives or in our house for things that truly matter. After all, remember this. Today's rummage sale purchase is yesterday's throw, or tomorrow's throw it out, right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, why did I buy this? It's stupid. I don't need this. They didn't need it, and I don't either. I want to remind you of a scripture here from King Solomon. In Ecclesiastes 1.14, he said, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. A chasing after the wind. Now, we're not getting into a theological statement here, but I just wanted to know something. What are we chasing after that doesn't matter? What's taking up some of our time? And it could be our thoughts, you guys. It could be, you know, I realize that as ministers, there's a lot of stuff we go through. And it's hard when things happen bad to other people for you not to take it home. And, you know, if you, I can remember in my youth ministry in Missouri when some of my young leaders, two young leaders, they, they dropped out. They were dating each other, and we all know what was going on. They dropped out. And I remember how it hurt me, man. It, it hurt me. It hurt me. I, I was, didn't take it personal, but it hurt. It hurt. I can remember a time in, my, in that same ministry that for, if people would know me would be surprised by this. For three days, I was so depressed, man. And I would try to walk and pray, and I could barely pray. And I felt so low. And it wasn't anything necessarily that was happening to me. So I get it. But what are we wasting valuable time chasing. I want to talk about that. Or we are talking about that. Here's what I have found. Here's what I found 100% every single time. Being in God's presence 
changes what's important. Come on, somebody. I, I should hear an amen right there. I'm telling you, being in God's presence changes what's important. No wonder the devil fights so hard for us to not be in his presence. Because when we're in his presence, those things change. Importance change. Things are rearranged in our life, and we're like, wow, that doesn't even matter anymore. That thing looked like a huge boulder, and now it's nothing. I'm not going to spend one more moment worrying about that, right? It's like, Jesus, what are we going to do with these 5,000 people? Like, Jesus didn't have a plan. I'm old, you guys know that, and I love Looney Tunes. I think of Foghorn Leghorn. Get away, kids, you bother me. You know, like, just just go over there somewhere. Let me show you. Bing, you know, I mean, it's done. It's done. It's done. Luke 19, 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I want you to see what happened right there. The pursuit of money meant everything to this man. He lied, he cheated, he stole. I'm sure he treated people like dirt. He did whatever it was to make money. But when he spent time with Jesus, his immediate response was, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll give them back four times the amount. Why? Being in God's presence changes what's important. Changes what's important. He'd been up and close and personal with God himself, and everything changed. Somebody say everything. Everything changed. Now, here's a great quote from a book called Secrets of the Secret Place. Prayerlessness is the first sign of prideful independence. I got this. I don't need to pray. It's, we would probably never say that, but let's be honest. If we're not praying, we're relying on ourselves. You know, I had, just so you know, I don't ever want to rely on myself. I'm thankful for the talent and ability that God has given me. I'm thankful for it. And I recognize what he's done in my life, but I had our, the team who are the spiritual authority over this place in Chris's absence. I had them pray with me before we ever came up here. Because I'm going to tell you something. What I want to see done here today, I have no possibility of making happen. Zero. And I want to ask you, same thing I say to our interns before we go out for camp service, the same that every year is, you know, what could you and I do, John? What can you and I do on our very best day that really matters spiritually in the life of a young person? Not, not a lot. I mean, without God doing it, it doesn't get done, right? Without the Holy Spirit moving, we're sunk. Ministry, one of the reasons it's so tough, you guys, I don't know if you've, if you've realized this. I know I'm, I'm not a deep thinker. I'm not. Um, but ministry is the only job in my life I ever had that I can't do. All I can do is kind of set at the chairs and put the table out. and, and put the, But if, it, if God don't provide the food, it's, what am I going to do? And that's why it's tough. But we got to remember that the prayerlessness is a sign of prideful independence. Like, I got this, God. No, you don't. Right? No, you don't. We need How many of you guys know we need them? We need them. Here's what I want to do. You've heard enough out of me. I'm going to put up. i got about three or four slides that I want to put up. They're just going to be black with some words on it. I'm not going to say anything. At least I'm not intending to. And I want you to answer them. And just so you know what's going to happen after that, 
we're going to put up a song. When that song begins to play, I would like for you to get up out of your seat, and I'd like for you to come find a spot. You can stand, you can kneel, and, and, and touch the Lord. I asked Abby, because uh, I want her to have the same opportunity to be ready to play after that song. And I want to do something that I don't normally do, um, but I feel like the Lord says yes. I want to come, and I'm, I'm not going to interrupt you, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to do my best to pray for every single one of you. Not because I'm anybody, but because the Lord said to. Amen? Amen? Are you ready? Are you ready to get really contemplative and hear the Lord's voice?